Welcome to So Says Rick. Mostly True Stories by Rick Hall. I'm Rick Hall. And I'm Laura Hall. We are at our second episode, Laura. Do, 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 do. Yeah, okay. You're a musician. Don't you have an actual horn sound you could play there instead of... Well, yes, I do. Oh, that sounded better. Okay, that sounds very professional. Let's do it again. So we're at episode number two. We're professionals. Hey, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to my first episode. I was so excited. I had hoped that maybe like 75 or 100 people would listen to it. And I had over 400 people in the first week. Yeah, every time he'd walk in the room, he'd be like, Laura, 100 people have listened to it. Oh, 150 people have listened to it. Oh, look now. Okay, okay. They get the idea. <laughs> but I was excited, and I was so yes. glad. And I got a lot of feedback from people, and it was really sweet to hear from everybody. I also want to thank my mom for letting me tell the Mother's Day story, which was all about her. And thank goodness she has a good sense of humor. Yes, I think that's where you get it. I believe you're right. Oh, yeah, I want to tell him I have an announcement. Perfect, Laura. Our uh, show, So Says Rick, is now on most of the major podcast platforms, so it's easy to find. Just go to your favorite podcast platform, type in So Says Rick, and my show should pop up. Yes, and then you can subscribe, so it'll just come to you automatically every two weeks on Friday. Right, and you can go, uh, you know, like iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher, you know, the major ones. And if you can't find it, go to my website. Wait a minute, they're already here. <laughs> exactly. They must be able to find it. Okay, but my website is therickhall.com. <laughs> I hate to over-explain it, but I just did. Okay, our second episode is a story that we recorded live at the Coffee Gallery backstage. It's a show called Off My Head, and it's produced by Ty and Delia Fance, and they do a great job with the show. They always have great storytellers. I, I felt like I was swimming in the deep end when I was with that group telling stories. Every one of the stories is really good. If you ever get a chance to go see one of their shows, I think you'd really like it. Yeah, it's called Off My Head Storytelling. So the story I told at the show was about my daughter, Ruthie, when she was in middle school. And she's in college now. And what did she say the other day when I told her? Well, she said, you kind of make me sound mean. But it's no, not exactly not, mean. No, no. She was a middle schooler. No, we were all fairly unpleasant when we were middle schoolers. Yeah. If you've ever been the parent of a middle schooler, or if you've ever been a middle schooler yourself, <laughs> you know, it's a difficult time. Well, you cast a wide net there, Laura. <laughs> Now, Laura, were you a, a very pleasant middle schooler? Oh, I was a pain in the neck. I had to apologize to my mom later when I got older. I didn't have to apologize to my parents because I made it through middle school pretty well. I was pre Actually, I was a good kid all the way through high school. Yeah, but you were obnoxious. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Let's get back to the story. Wow, you used to be a really good sidekick. I think you're starting to turn on me. <laughs> So here's the story called Water on the Dance Floor, recorded live at the Coffee Gallery backstage. I have two daughters, two little 
girls who were so sweet. When they were little, they loved me. I could do nothing wrong. They, they would cuddle up with me. They, they loved for me to tell them stories and tuck them in bed at night. And that lasted. I could do nothing wrong. I was the apple of their eye. Until middle school and their teenage years, nobody can completely warn you about the switch that will happen to your sweet little girls when they turn into into feral animals who live in your house and eat your food and make you sleep with one eye open. Oh, it was rough, man. I could never do anything right. Everything I said was stupid. Everything I did was embarrassing, especially if I did it in public. Then it was extra embarrassing. And add to it the fact that I'm an actor, so when I get a job, guess what? It's pretty public. So, like, if I got a commercial, I could be internationally embarrassing to them. <laughs> and, um, and actually, I understand why, because uh, I've done some embarrassing things. When my daughter Ruthie was 10 years old, she said to me, Dad, why does everybody laugh when they talk about the commercial you did for Viagra? <laughs> and I said, well, honey, and I thought on my feet pretty quickly. I said, honey, it's medicine for an old man, and I'm not that old. <laughs> She's 10. She said, there's more to it than that. <laughs> so um, my level of embarrassment for my daughters is raised to a certain um, level that maybe is beyond some of the average guys here. Uh, my daughter, when I told her I had volunteered to go help at, at her middle school, I was going to do some handyman work at the dance studio. She was mortified to think that I would be on campus and people would know that was her dad. So the night before, she actually sat me down and gave me three rules. She said, Dad, no talking to any kids on campus. No whistling or singing while you're working or walking. And no taking off your shirt. And I said, honey, why would I take off my shirt? She just said, promise, promise. I said, okay, I promise. Next day, I go to the school. I go into the dance studio. When you walk in, there's this open area where there's some carpet and then the teacher's desk and stuff. And then it opens up into the beautiful dance floor. And Miss Daniels couldn't wait to show me their brand new dance floor, this beautiful wooden dance floor that they had done fundraisers for years and, you know, bake sales and raffles and selling wrapping paper. Well, they finally got it. And she was so proud of it, they put it in that summer. And the next step in the renovation process was to remodel the two dressing rooms. My job was to go into the girls' dressing room and demo, every, demolish everything, take it out, and get it ready to be remodeled. And then she said, Miss Daniel said, there's that pipe sticking out of the wall about eight inches. Can you take that out? And I said, well, it looks like a water line. Are you sure there's nothing in it? She goes, oh, oh, they haven't used that in years. I said, okay. She had to go um, teach in another classroom for a little while. So I got out my big pipe wrench, and it had a cap on the end of it, a three-quarter-inch pipe. And I broke that loose and got it so I could turn it with my fingers. And right before it came off, you know, those last couple of threads before it comes off, I had to stop because I saw one drop of water. And I thought, is she sure this is not an active line? Well, she said it's not. I got to trust her. I know. I know what it is. There's residual water left in there from years ago. So I went and got a trash can and put it underneath it so I could catch the drips so it wouldn't drip on the floor. And then I turned off the cap. That last half a turn, there was so much water pressure behind that 
that the cap flew out of my hand and hit the wall over there, ricocheted, I never saw it again. This is a fully charged commercial three-quarter inch water line. <laughs> it had too much water pressure. The water went three feet before it even started to drop off. So my first reaction was, okay, I'll put my thumb over it. <laughs> I tried. I couldn't even get my thumb on the pipe. There was so much water pressure. I'm already soaked, soaked to the bone. Water's going everywhere. So I run out to the uh, to where the phone is, out there in the carpeted area, and I call the maintenance man, and I go, we've got a broken pipe. Broken pipe. <laughs> we've got a broken pipe. You need to turn off the water, the mains of this building. And then I ran back in. By the way, soaking wet, I run across the new wooden dance floor. <laughs> Not good. Not good. So I go in and I look for something. Surely I can put something in this pipe to slow it down. I look down. There's a broom on the floor. It, it's actually floating now. <laughs> and I grab the broom. It's got a wooden handle. It's about the right size. I jam it into the pipe. Think that'll slow it down. No, it just redirected the water. I pushed really hard and it squirted to the ceiling. And I thought, maybe this is helping. Then ceiling tiles started getting wet and falling down. I turned a little to the right. It Squirted over on the wall with all the outlets and switches. I can't believe I didn't get electrocuted. I turned the other way, went out the door onto the dance floor. I finally, I just leaned against it as hard as I could. I'm sure I wasn't doing any good, but I had to do something. And this went on for a very long time. I don't know really how long it was, maybe six or seven minutes, but time moves pretty slowly when you're trying to stop a geyser with a broom handle. Finally, finally, the pressure dropped off, and I, I let go of the broom, and it just trickled out, finally, a little bit into the trash can. And I looked around, the water is about ankle deep now, and I thought, wow, I'm surprised it's not deeper. As long as this water was running, I'm surprised. And then I turned around and saw why. I looked at the door, and there was a river of water coming out the door and going right under the new wooden dance floor. Oh, this dance floor is not going to make it. It's going to warp. I had an image in my head of Miss Daniels opening the door in the morning, and there would be the dance floor, and it looked like a great big Pringles potato chip in the middle of the room. Just warped and curved. And then for years, people would say, Hey, who was it that ruined our new dance floor? Who was that? Yeah, before we even got to really use it. And they would say, oh, it was Ruthie Hall's dad. <laughs> I went into the carpeted area. The, the maintenance man came in right about then, and he had the exact word, right words to say. He looked at it, and he said, oh, jeez. Oh, jeez, this is bad. <laughs> Thank you for that information. I said, do you want to have a shop vac or a wet vac that I can start sucking up some water? And he goes, yeah, I'll go get it, because this is bad. <laughs> he went out. I looked around. Water is coming under the wall from where the dressing room is. Water is coming from everywhere. It's starting to soak around where her desk is, the teacher's desk. I picked up files and put them on the desk so things wouldn't get wet. I'm soaking wet with water. I take off my shirt and I bring it out. <laughs> I wasn't thinking. I just was wet. 
the six-period bell rang and the six-period girls' dance class started to come in, and I am not lying to you. The first three girls through the door, one of them was my daughter, Ruthie. <laughs> she looked horrified. So she walked into an NCIS murder scene. <laughs> Oh, she backs out. She's pushing all the kids out. And I hear them say, who's that man? And right before the door shut, I heard her say, I have no idea. <laughs> so I get the shop back. The maintenance guy shows up. I put my shirt back on. Oh, yeah, I miss that part. I get the shop back, and I start sucking up the water. And I got lucky, because it turns out this dance floor is not sitting right on the concrete. It's called a floating dance floor. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> but it was a little off the floor, and the way the concrete sloped, the water kept coming towards me, and I could just keep sucking up water. It was 8 o'clock at night. Everybody was gone when the water finally stopped coming up from under the dance floor. I went home, said my prayers. It was a very quiet night at our house. I asked my wife if I should talk to Ruthie. She said, please do not. <laughs> and the next day, Ruthie went to school, and she came back, and she seemed like everything was okay. So I asked her, I said, hey, honey, um, how was the dance class today? And she goes, fine. I said, the dance floor was okay? And she goes, yeah, we danced on it. <laughs> the next day, she came home from school, and she was actually in a fine mood. It, it seemed like nothing was wrong. I said to Laura, my wife, I said, should I talk to her about it? She said, oh, honey, don't pick at that scab. It's starting to heal over. Don't open it up again. I didn't find out until I started writing this story about a month ago. I called my daughter in college, and I said, hey, honey, do you remember when I flooded the dance studio? She said, yeah, Dad, I remember that. I said, you didn't seem like you were mad at me for very long. Why not? She goes, oh, I forgot to tell you. Before that happened, Miss Daniels was kind of mean to me, and I was getting a C in her class. But then after the flood, she thought it was her fault, and you had saved the day. So she started treating me nicer, and I ended up getting an A in that class. <laughs> My friends, sometimes, as a father, you can be embarrassing. Sometimes you can be stupid. But every now and then, every now and then, you get to be the hero. Well, thanks for listening to the story, and thanks to our daughter Ruthie for being such a good sport and letting me tell that story. You know, she may be in college, but I think you're still embarrassing. Oh, that's really, that's really sweet. I don't really want this sidekick thing if it's working out, Lord. So we'll be back in two weeks with another episode of So Says Rick. Bye-bye.